Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. It's uh, Sal Sports Live on a Thursday night. It's also the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. As always, if you don't get the live show on your web stream, wherever you're watching, you can always turn around and listen to the audio, which is great. I really appreciate that. All the downloads, subscriptions, just listening on the on the stream, however that is. Uh, that's at Apple Podcasts, of course. That's at WGR 550. Just look for South Sports and stuff. Just Google that. In the meantime, South Sports Live. Good to be here with you. It's a Bills Cardinals preview this weekend. The Bills take on the Cardinals Sunday, 4.05 p.m. in Phoenix. And the Bills are looking to start the season 8-2. and two. That's right, 8-2 and two for the eighth time in franchise history. First time since 1993. As many of you remember, 1993 was the last time the Bills went to the Super Bowl. The run of four Super Bowls, 90, 91, 92, 93. That was the last time this team started not only 8-2, and two, but even 7-2 and two, where they are right now. So there's a lot going on with this team this year. And, of course, the bye week is right after this week. Good chance for the Bills to get healthy. However, today, some really good news at practice. A lot of guys return. In fact, out of the six guys who did not practice yesterday, seven. Out of the seven guys who did not practice yesterday, six of them returned to the field today, including John Brown, Cody Ford, Tredavious White. So really good news there. A bit of a concerning news though. And that is that Micah Hyde, safety Micah Hyde was not on the injury report yesterday. He showed up on the injury report today as limited. And that was after we were out there as the media to see what was to, to see. And there was nothing wrong with Micah Hyde. He was at practice. He was working out just like normal. But after practice, he shows up as limited with an ankle, which means something probably happened at practice. We do not know the extent of that. We'll find out from Sean McDermott tomorrow. You can listen to him on WGR Sports Radio 550. Uh, he's going to be on with Jeremy. I was going to be on part of that with Jeremy. I'm filling in for Howard all week, but I got to scoot at 8 a.m. tomorrow, actually. So you'll just get Coach McDermott with Jeremy tomorrow, but you can listen on the morning show. I'll be on starting at 6. Jeremy will take you the rest of the way at 8 o'clock, including with Sean McDermott. You can find out what happened with Micah Hyde, not only there, but, of course, on the media Zoom call that follows that with Sean McDermott. Uh, 9.30 is when he goes on WGR, and then right after that, around 9.50 with the rest of the media. And I'm sure we're going to ask him if uh, what the deal is, with, not only with Micah Hyde, but also with all the other injuries and who he is or who he isn't declaring out for the game on Sunday. And I think the Bills are going to need all hands on deck for this one because this is going to be a tough game. This is a tough Cardinals team. It's a tough matchup. Uh, this is a team that really can, can do multiple things on offense. They have a very exciting quarterback in Kyler Murray. It helps, I think, for the Bills to play a mobile quarterback like, well, in two weeks in a row, really. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, and now Kyler Murray. You get that third guy right in a row after playing Newton and playing Wilson. You get a feel for you know playing those mobile quarterbacks. But th this guy's different, man. He runs like a running back. He is very good. He's a very elusive in the open field. They will use him as part of the, uh, their running game. And their running game 
is very, very good. We'll keep on uh, uh, keep on tabs or keep tabs, I should say, on the Cardinals injury situation because Kenyon Drake did return to practice this week, but not sure if he's going to play. Buda Baker's been on the injury report for them, but he is going to play most likely according to their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. However, Jordan Phillips in what would be his you know, revenge game, I guess you'd say, against the Bills, not that he left on bad terms or anything, two days in a row not practicing with a hamstring injury that occurred on Sunday – so that probably lends itself to mean that he's not trending towards playing in a game against the Bills in the game on Sunday against his former team. So we'll keep you updated on how all of that goes. Speaking of the media, time to bring in right now my special guest this week, a very good friend of mine, John Scott from Spectrum News. There you see him on your screen right there. John, what is going on, my man? Hey, a nice little uh, Thursday evening chat. We're usually doing this uh, after the games on Sunday. Yes, we are. It's really good. Uh, I join John every Sunday on Spectrum News. You can find that. Um, and why don't you promote the show? Tell everybody where they can watch the show and what it's all about. It's not just me and you, obviously. It's a half hour of football talk. Right. It's called Buffalo End Zone, a 30-minute post-game show, the only one you'll find around here. Uh, it's all Bills. And uh, Kevin Carroll is our anchor in studio. Greg Vorse also joins us. And uh, we show highlights quickly, some game reaction. Then we really dive into it with our thoughts as well as Sal and I giving our thoughts as well. Usually it's it's a few hours after the game. So this week it's going to be at a special time of 10.30 over on Spectrum News. You can catch that also in Rochester as and Jamestown as well in those markets at 10.30 Buffalo End Zone. So me, Sal, Kevin Carroll, Greg Vorse, and, and we're going to break it all down with everything uh, hopefully on a – good side of things the bills win over the cardinals yeah and and as i just opened up with and you heard me talking about it this is a tough matchup for this team you know i opened my monday extra point show with a, a long my monologue was about matchups that's what it's about and i wrote a column about it how sports are about matchups and if you really dug into the seahawks i felt john that the bills really did match up well with the seahawks now it didn't mean they were guaranteed to win but i felt there were some advantages the bills had especially in their passing game against the seahawks defense and warm weather that was going to be played and they did take advantage uh, this game not so much i mean I, I think there are some advantages the bills can take but this running game for arizona can cause some problems for the bills absolutely and they do it in a different way whereas yeah, you mentioned Kyler Murray is a running back of sorts there. He's eighth in the National Football League in rushing yards, and that's in eight games. There's other guys that have played nine games. So he, he in a yards-per-game basis, is probably even higher in that. Eight rushing touchdowns, about half of his yards come from scrambling, so that means over 250, 300 yards of rushing come on designed runs. So that's something that... The Bills really haven't seen, while facing mobile quarterbacks, they haven't seen anything like that since Lamar Jackson, and they're different types of players, different types of runners. And if Kenyon Drake can play, we've seen he's a different running back than what we saw in Miami. And even Chase Edmonds, whether Drake plays or not, is also a very good and dynamic running back, averaging more yards per carry, 4.6 yards per carry, than Drake actually is. And Drake is also in the top 12, I believe, in the National Football League in rushing yards. They're a big play offense, running the ball or passing the ball. It's going to be a challenge definitely on Sunday for the Bills defense. All right, well, Laura comes in and she says, I want four takeaways again. <laughs> Call me greedy. Laura, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it does bring us into a really good point here, John, which is 
and you've noticed this, and I've noticed you've asked, you've been asking players about this in your Zoom calls, the aggressive nature of the Bills' defense. It seems like this team is way better when they're playing more aggressive. And here's the thing. You're going to give up some plays like they did the long pass, obviously the 50-yarder to uh, David Moore. But I'll take those if I'm going to get those big plays and those turnovers. And it seems like they're more, they're more productive when they play like that. There's been a search for the Bills' defensive identity. Among searching for other things, I'm sure answers to some of their, their things that have been going wrong. But the identity search, I think, is over. I, I think you saw it in Vegas. You saw it against Seattle. They are so much better and at their best with this particular unit when they are really coming in hot. Leslie Frazier's dialing things up. And then ultimately, that can really put them in an advantageous position to force takeaways. And that is, I think, what the recipe for success is for this Bills defense. You bring the heat and you will you lean on what I would say is the strength of this defense, the back end, with your two safeties when healthy, with your cornerbacks when healthy, and allow them to maybe be on their own a little bit more than traditionally they are in Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defenses. I think that's the way they need to continue to, to dial it up. And the players have said, it's because they just play so much more yeah. free. And I think that is going to be the key. It'll be interesting. Will they continue to do that, especially understanding the dynamic scrambling with a guy like Kyler Murray? Yeah, I agree with you. And here's the problem, though. If you load up on the run, they have weapons on this team. Now, I was looking at their targets. They kind of forced the ball a little bit to DeAndre Hopkins. Why wouldn't you, right? I mean, he's great. Uh, but he's got over 70 targets. The next closest player, Larry Fitzgerald, has 40. There's literally more than 30, almost double the targets, but they can spread the ball around if they really want to. It seems like DeAndre's the guy, but Kyler Murray's a pretty good passer. He, he's, he's no slouch when it comes to throwing the football. And the one wrinkle in his game is he turns the football over. He's thrown an interception in five of the eight games this season. He also is prone to fumble the ball with some of his rumbling or uh, uh, with some of his running. He's fumbled it four times, lost it twice. So if you're looking at the bills being aggressive, and trying to win the turnover battle once again, Kyler Murray is going to give you those opportunities, or at least he has in games consistently so far this season. And you're right, Hopkins is a guy that continues to get force-fed, and with Travis White saying he's trending in the right direction, that should be another good matchup. But I was looking at Hopkins' numbers before I came on with you. His season's been kind of funky. He alternates between a 100-yard game and then like a medium game, and he alternates, and then he goes back to 100. And he had three receptions for 30 yards last week. So if the trend continues, it could be another big DeAndre Hopkins game, although he hasn't had the big game against Tredavious White and this Bills defense. That's John Scott, you see, from Spectrum News. Follow him on Twitter, at John Scott TV. Don't forget, there's no H in John. And also, don't forget that if you don't see any tweets from me right now, I still have a virus, so I'm Twitterless oh, yeah. right now. So, so let's tell everybody the story because this is kind of – it's not really funny for you, but – so I get a I get a Twitter DM from Eric Wood and it says, Hey, did you see this? And I'm like, this is not like like I've seen these viruses, these things go around. I'm like, I don't know if Eric sent this to me. But reluctantly I clicked it and then it was like an Instagram page. I did not sign in. I'm like, there's no way. There's gotta be a virus. I'm not signing in. So I didn't do that, but I heard that other people did. And if you signed in, it then went and you started passing it to someone else and it locked you out of your Twitter account and you got had by this. I actually got the same thing from Patrick Hammer from channel two, the meteorologist. And he even said, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm like, no, I texted Eric. Actually. I said, Eric, check your Twitter account. This is what's going on. Thank goodness. That didn't happen. I feel so bad for you. What's, <laughs> what's the status of your Twitter account now? Uh, people uh, at our corporate level are 
on the case, but it's taken longer than I thought. You're right. I, I actually was talking with Eric Wood a few days ago. He was locked out of his Instagram as well. Still was not out of his Twitter. It'd been passed along to me from our meteorologist, Kaylee Went, who'd got it from a reporter at another station in town. And even while in the press box on Sunday, Marcel-Louis Jacques from ESPN said corporate at ESPN had just sent out a company email saying, oh, man. Ed, saying Ed Werder, the reporter, was also dealing with this. So if you get anything from him, don't click on it. It clearly is wide ranging uh, and it has paralyzed me in my social media game oh, yeah. here. So give me a follow, please. You just yeah. may not see anything. But from you're, me. You're, well, now, let me ask you this. Now, John is a good follow. And by the way, John has really good video. He's the um, the pool videographer uh, at, at, at practice. He's not the only one there, but if they have to go inside, you're in there and, and you're a part of that thing. So you've, you've had some really good stuff all year since training camp started. But I do have to ask you, does it kind of give you a little bit of sense of like, you know, we're on Twitter so much, right? We're on social media in our jobs. It's our life. It's become our life since you can't get in. And it's like, Hey, you know, your boss, you know, they know you can't tweet. Is it a little bit more even relaxing in some way, shape or form for you? Yes. And no, the game was really strange because that is how I, I interact during the game is through Twitter. It also just taking away my responsibilities for work. It has become such a prominent way that I even consume news and information mm -hmm. There are things that I, I miss out or I get later in the day. I didn't know the Ohio State football game was canceled until I was driving around uh, the other day and heard Mike, Shope, heard Mike Shope say it on the Shope and the Bulldog show. And usually I'd get an alert or I'd be on Twitter or, or whatever it may be. And, and just things like that, even following the rest of the NFL, let's say the Dolphins and the Cardinals game from a week ago, because I wasn't on Twitter, I'm not kind of seeing how that game is playing out and other things like that. And then there's even just things as simple as the Bills send out alerts, like when Josh is AFC Offensive Player of the Week or the injury yeah. report. Oh, you and can't, I can't, get I can't get them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then I have like a coworker screenshot it and send it to me just so I, I have the information. So um, I'm actually taking time off during the bye week next week. This would have been ideal for that because we all could use a little – uh, unplugging from social media, but I'm making do with what I can so far and knock on wood. I'll be up and running over the weekend. So we can, we can at least be back to normal before the bye week on a bill Sunday game day. Well, I have more for you here, but let's check some of the comments here. In fact, my brother from Oregon checking in Sal freaking Capaccio. Glad he spelled my name right. He is my brother, but John, you need a picture on your, uh, on your little YouTube account there. That's what you need. That's my brother checking <laughs> in. But here is one I actually want to bring to you. Uh, Tim Ellington writes in, more important to me is how good or average is the Cardinals defense, how difficult, easy it will be for Josh Allen to break it down. And, and here's my thought on it, because I, I think we've seen a lot of teams play a lot of zone. They're more of a man team. They like to play a lot of man-to-man -man defense. So I think Josh will have opportunities, but they're also kind of more of a big play defense. Like they'll, they'll give up stuff, but they'll also make some plays. I mean, you have to get to watch out for that, but I do think the Bills will have an opportunity here. Yeah, they're similar to Seattle in the sense of they have some big names that you will absolutely recognize. Patrick Peterson on the outside, even though he's in the back portion of his career, he still is very, very good. Held DK Metcalf in check when Arizona actually beat Seattle weeks ago. They certainly miss Chandler Jones, but Hassan Reddick has been very good. And if Jordan Phillips can play, he's been impactful for them as well. Buda Baker is known for more than just being the guy who got caught by DK Metcalf hundred yards down the field. So they, they have some playmakers. And to your point, I just feel like they're inconsistent. So they have guys that can make the plays and they have the talent, but it, it is kind of boomer bust. So I think 
the Bills will have the opportunity to make plays and take those shots down the field. And I think Brian Dable, as he showed against Seattle, is absolutely willing to take them. They haven't really figured out how to use Isaiah Simmons yet. They're kind of still playing with that and figuring out he's a really good, you know, is he a safety, a linebacker? What is he? You know, and, and, and those guys, you know, when you maybe can get them in a situation where you could take advantage of them because they're kind of like a little bit of tweeners, I guess. But that's what it is. It's, it's a defense that boom or bust. And I will tell you, I do think there could be some plays made in the run game, especially with Jordan Phillips possibly missing it. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I think they're still going to probably tip the scale more towards passing, but I don't think it's going to be so, so far unbalanced as we saw against Seattle, where Ryan Dable earlier this week admitted the two or three runs that they had in the first half were actually more than he was anticipating or even wanting to do against Seattle, which is mind-blowing considering where we were this time a year ago. So uh, I, I would agree that I think even just in general, I would like to see them add a little more to the uh, to plate of the running game. I don't need, you know, 30-plus carries like we saw against New England, but I think maybe bringing things a little closer to maybe the 60-40 or, or whatever it may be, that I think would be best, and if especially if there's things to be had, because I think Devin Singletary and especially Zach Moss have really flashed the past few weeks. So you say especially Zach Moss. Who's your guy going forward? Do you think that they should – be more 50-50, or should Zach Moss take more of the lead role? I'm fine with 50-50 because while Zach Moss has looked good, he hasn't shot out of a cannon. A year ago, it was so obvious, and we were clamoring. Devin Singletary is playing his day more explosive and effective than Frank Gore. It really was not even a contest. Mm -hmm. And while I think Zach Moss has had some really nice moments since coming back from the injury, outside of last week when you saw them both against New England, I think they equally flashed and they ultimately had the same number of carries. So as of now, I'd keep it a 50-50 split and you kind of know what their rules are. Singletary is going to get his run outside the 20s. And once you get into that red area and especially goal to goal, Zach Moss is going to be the guy and they both have been proficient in the passing game. So I think you can keep it there and almost keep it as a competition to say, all right, whoever is more of the hot hand will run that way. But until then, you guys are going to be even. We are uh, going to talk about the Thursday night game later. John asked, root for the Colts or Titans? We'll get to that in a little while, I promise you. I wanted to make sure that I knew I saw that because I like to uh, talk about the Thursday night game here on the show before I get through. You did a really uh, interesting story on Jake Fromm. I get asked a lot, what does Jake Fromm do every week? And I say, go to John Scott's story. He's got a really good answer for you. I thought it was super cool and interesting. Tell our listeners, our viewers in this case, um, what Jake Fromm does every week. Why is he on the injury report as basically not injured, but still not with the team? Right. It was fascinating. I remember it was surprising he made the team to begin with. I don't know how many of us had them keeping three quarterbacks in the active roster. And then you see week one, he's on there, the injury report without a designation. It just says non-injury. So it, it piqued my interest and come to find out that they actually are keeping Jake away from Matt Barkley and Josh Allen, as well as Davis Webb, as a COVID precaution. So things of like in the locker room is really the only time where he is in the same space in a similar fashion to anyone else on the Bills team. In meetings, he is sitting farther apart than the already socially distanced spacing is. So if people are six feet apart, maybe he's 12, 20 feet apart from everyone else and sitting in the back of the room. He can eat lunch, but he's not necessarily in that six feet with everyone else. He's maybe 
a table or two away. So he admits it's a challenge in a sense to develop relationships as a rookie and a new guy on the team because he has to be responsible. Now, from the practice side of things, while the rest of the team is out on the practice field, Jake Fromm is getting his lift in. Then he says he pops on outside for like the final 20 minutes of team portion so he can see in person the work that they're doing. And then, then when they go back and check the film of practice, he can, he can relate from what he saw and then get it uh, you know, refreshed in, uh, in that on film. And then when everyone else finishes practice, he goes inside to the training facility and grabs some of the practice squad guys like Duke Williams, Jay Kumaro, um, Christian Wade, some of those guys. And that's where he runs. They run routes against air. So he that's that's like his what you traditionally would maybe see Josh and the other quarterbacks do during the media portion. When when we're out there throwing the digs and John Brown and Cole Beasley, he does it with some of the practice squad guys on his own inside. And there's even one particular staff member. Ryan Moore, who he calls is like his, his kind of go-to guy, because those two even just throw. He'll throw to Ryan, and he's kind of just off on his own the entire time. So it was really fascinating to hear Jake describe it and also be open and honest about the challenges that come with it, because it certainly is not ideal for a rookie quarterback who's trying to develop. It's not ideal necessarily for his development as a football player, because it's said it's the first time in his football career he's not getting 11 on 11 reps ever. <laughs> I mean, since Kiwi. So he's trying to enhance his game at the pro level without getting the most valuable reps. And it's also hard from him on a personal level because, again, he is being asked more so than anyone else to even more so socially distance himself from other people to, be, to maintain being safe. And that even goes for outside the facility I joked with him. I said, are you even allowed to go to Wegmans? And he said, yeah, you know, I can go. But even then, I've really cut out a lot of things right. outside, even more so than some of the other players have been asked through protocols, just because it's really been placed upon me as this big responsibility that in worst case scenario, I'm the one guy in the building that they can count on to be healthy. That's amazing. It's good stuff. So anyway, that's at John's Twitter. I know he can't get through it, but you can go to it. Uh, and you can see he's um, he's got a really good story. And you can and relive that or watch that and read that about you know Jake Fromm, what he just said basically right there. John, the AFC playoff picture, if it ended today, the AFC, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, but who knows, right, in this COVID year, what's going to happen? The Miami Dolphins would actually be the seventh team. Your, I will say, Cleveland Browns. You grew up a Browns fan. That's why I say it like that. Yeah. Cleveland Browns would be tied at five and three with the Ve- with Vegas, with Miami, with the Indianapolis Colts. It would go to Vegas and Miami. But the question I want to ask you is, like, how do you see the AFC picture right now, and especially the Bills? Let's start at the top. Like, is it? Jeremy asked a good question on the morning show this morning. Is it a? How many tiers are there? Is it tier one and tier two basically for the Bills? Are they in tier one? Are they in tier two? Are they even in tier three? Like, how would you separate the top? It's tough. Um, I, I would not put them in tier one, and I don't even <clears throat> I don't even know if the standings actually stack it up the way that I feel the tiers are. I think Kansas City is the cream of the crop in the AFC. They certainly have some some warts on their team, but I still think that they are the best. Then I then so maybe I'd put them at tier one. And even though Pittsburgh's undefeated, 
There have been moments, the Tennessee game, they struggled against Dallas. There are moments where you say, well, what is this team? You got Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, James Conner. You have all these weapons, and they're, they're still not as prolific, especially throwing the football, that you would think and that you've seen moments of. And it's not necessarily Ben Roethlisberger. It just it's surprising. You just it's just there may be more of a throwback type team because their defense, in my opinion, is absolutely superb. I, I think as the season goes on, we'll even get it stacked out more. But I'd almost put Kansas City, then almost lump everybody else in there. I did that. That's what I did. I had Kansas City as number one in the first tier, and I have the Bills in the next tier. And I think they're with Pittsburgh. They're with whoever Baltimore. I don't see there's much of a gap. You know, Pittsburgh is eight. No, of course I would still. Still put Kansas City ahead of them, even though they have a loss. And I wouldn't put much of a gap at all between the Bills and Steelers. I think they're pretty even, actually, right now. Right, and that's what will make it so interesting late in the season where you really could be jostling with the Steelers and other teams at the top portion of the AFC when they meet later portion of the season. I think Tennessee, that just was, was just a bad situation overall for the Bills. Between the COVID scheduling and between... John Brown's hurt in the new defense. And I think now Josh, when presented with different types of defenses in that defensive game plan, now knows how to counter it better as opposed to almost swimming upstream and going against the grain and still trying to get that round peg in a square hole type thing. Uh, So that's where I think I agree. Kansas City, then everyone else, and then that that group that's going to be fighting Miami, Cleveland, those teams that are going to be fighting for, to round out the playoffs. Let's talk about those teams. Uh, you watch a lot of the Browns. Now you've seen a lot of the Dolphins last couple of weeks, obviously, with two of them getting a lot of love out there. How do we separate, I guess you'd say, Vegas? If we can all agree that the you know Tennessee would be in that second tier, I would think, right now. But how about, how about Vegas, Miami, Cleveland, Indianapolis? I think those are really – there's probably two spots for four teams. I think that's what it comes down to here. Um, what do you think about those teams? Focus on the Browns and, and Dolphins maybe because those are the team that you follow and Bills related. Well, for the Browns, it, it comes down to their defense, it, which is it's interesting because you have Miles Garrett, who is making a serious run at Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he's just been absolutely a monster. Everything you anticipated as the number one overall pick, but they've been dealing with injuries in the secondary, and they're just not that good defensively. Right. They're going to get Nick Chubb back, and I think that will certainly help reuniting the dynamic duo of him and Kareem Hunt. And you're coming to find that maybe the Baker Mayfields you saw as a rookie who set an NFL record for passing touchdowns is not that guy that you can lean on to be your main source of offense. And certainly they lost OBJ. Miami, again, their defense, I know I've heard you say it maybe isn't as good as people maybe think it is. It's opportunistic at times, but it's all going to come down to Tua. And it was a surprising thing. And, and, you know, he took a good step from this first game to his second game and they keep winning. But Preston Williams, I believe, is out for the season. So then how does that happen with their offense? And do they have enough weapons? Because, like, do you really trust Miles or Miles Gaskins or Jordan Howard or Matt Breida or, or, or any of these guys uh, to be the ones to lean on for them? So Miami's interesting. Then, like, you go to the Colts. Good defense, but like, does Philip Rivers and that offense have enough in the tank there? You go to the Raiders, and can you win with their passing game? You're we're really relying on some younger or unproven or inconsistent guys. Like Nelson Aguilar looks good, 
But we've seen Nelson Aguilar for years. We know who he is. We've seen Zay Jones. Can you rely on Brian Edwards when he is, you know, back up and going? Can you rely on Henry Ruggs? And does that defense have enough as well? That's why they're in that bottom portion. But there's they have enough to win games, but they don't have enough to make you believe they can be a tier two team. And that's what makes it interesting. It's it's gonna come down to the end because I'm sure some of these teams play each other. Eight games after into last season, Preston Williams placed on IR. Eight games into this season, Preston Williams placed on IR. Just stinks for him. He's yeah, I like him. He's a good young receiver, and you're right. And and for the Dolphins, that's gonna hurt them. I think Tua needs, you know, as many weapons around him as he can find, of course. All right, before I let you go, uh, a couple of things. Number one, if I was to say, all right, here's a reason to be optimistic the Bills can make a playoff run. And here's a reason to be pessimistic that the Bills can make a playoff run. Give me one of each. A reason to be optimistic for Bills fans and a reason to be pessimistic. Reason to be optimistic is because Josh Allen has shown he can shoulder the load and lead this team to victory. And that's not just these game-winning drives and these 17-16 games where he can do enough at the end to push them over the top. No, you can say, Josh... You're going to lead us through the air, 300, 400 yards passing. And that is how teams make runs in this modern age of the NFL. That's just the way that it's done. The best teams have the best quarterbacks who can lead their team to victory almost single-handedly. That's why I think you should be optimistic because in years past it was, well, Josh, you're going to go as far as Josh can take you, but you didn't know how far that could go. He's shown, at least to me, through nine games, He has the potential when he is on and at his best to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. The reason I would have some pause is while we discussed the defense probably has found their identity, they still are so inconsistent and give up so many plays. And you look at that Seattle game, let's say you even cut the turnovers in half, they may lose. And Mm -hmm. if Jordan Poyer doesn't get an interception or they don't come out of half and Jerry Hughes gets a fumble, You never know how that game could go. And early in the season, they were having struggles forcing turnovers, and the defense was really, really exposed. Turnovers can mask deficiencies, and if the Bills aren't forcing them, all of their deficiencies on defense have been shown and exposed. So that's what would cause me concern, which when you say it aloud is stunning considering at least for the six previous seasons that I've been here, and I'm sure you growing up here post-Super Bowl run, to think that the defense is the thing that may hold you back because the offense is where it is with a quarterback like Josh Allen. Right. That's a, that's a way of thinking that has been incredibly foreign to this fan base for quite some time. If I had to pick, I'd definitely – rather pick a better offense versus a lesser defense than the other way around. I think obviously that's the way you have to compete in 2020 NFL tonight. Let's get back to what John asked earlier, root for Colts or Titans tonight. And then we have another question on this. So there's two different things here. Who do you root for? And let me just find it here. Someone asked uh, who wins. Here's mission mission Hill says who wins tonight. So let's do both. Uh, I was surprised to look at the spread. I didn't realize this, but Colts are favored by one. I didn't realize that. And this game is in Tennessee. That doesn't make sense. So, Maybe the uh, Vegas betting line is trying to tell us something. I do think it's going to be a close game. I do think it's a good Thursday night game. And I think that Bills fans should root for the Colts because you, if you wind up tied with the Titans as two division winners, you get the lesser seed because you lost. That's the way I look at it. You could say different. And then what do you think about that? And who wins tonight? 
I wholeheartedly agree. That's the reasoning because you want to knock Tennessee below you record-wise in the end because they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker. And again, I think it's going to be really tight. Even with Pittsburgh undefeated, I think three, four teams up there at the top is going to come down to the wire for seeding in the AFC. And I think, but I do think Tennessee is is the better team here. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of the Colts obviously familiar with some of the guys. I, I mean, I know that Jonathan Taylor has been somewhat disappointing for the Colts. I understand offensively sometimes they have their issues, even as good as Frank Reich is as a coach. And surprisingly, their defense is what they've kind of been leaning on, even as they've had some injuries to deal with on that side of the ball. I'm going to go with Tennessee, but as a Bills fan for their long-term goals, you would hope that the Colts win here to push Tennessee down one more loss. Yeah, I think Laura speaks for a lot of Bills fans where she says, kick Titans down. I think the, there's a there's an interesting rivalry going on right now between Bills fans and Titans fans. I've had it all over my Twitter account <laughs> yesterday when I pointed out that uh, maybe A.J. Klein is her player of the week over uh, Jeffrey Simmons. And I was just trying to, ha- you know, hey, look at this line. And, man, people went crazy. It has become an interesting little rivalry. Uh, John, thanks for doing this tonight. I probably kept you a little longer than I, I thought I would, and I hope that was okay with you. Uh, you know, but appreciate you joining on tonight. And once again, can you give a plug to the Sunday show and all, all that you do? Right. Uh, Buffalo end zone on spectrum news. It's a 30 minute post game show with Sal and I, along with Kevin Carroll and Greg Vorse this Sunday, it's going to be at 10 30. So about three hours or so after the bills game with the Cardinals comes to a conclusion. And I do implore you to follow me on Twitter at John Scott TV <laughs> without an H and uh, God willing, you'll start reaping those rewards is all uh, be yeah. virus free sooner than later. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to let you go, but I appreciate you doing this tonight. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right. You too. That is John Scott at John Scott TV spectrum news. Appreciate him joining the program here tonight. All right, let me head on out of here. I try not to keep you guys past eight o'clock too much because I know you want to get to your Thursday night football game. And tonight it actually is a pretty good game. Colts and, Titans, and I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I think the line is Colts minus one. Now, that might have changed. It's what I looked at a little bit earlier, but whatever. Maybe it's a different sports book that I'm looking at, but that's what I saw. I thought that was interesting, but let's not forget. Tomorrow, big WGR show. I'll be on with Jeremy from 6 to 8, filling in for Howard. I got to scoot at 8 o'clock, actually. Uh, get down to the stadium. Got some practice tomorrow. We got Sean McDermott on Zoom, but Jeremy's going to have Sean McDermott at 9.30 on the radio, so we got that for you. And, of course, we got the game on the Bills Radio Network, and that is going to be Sunday. All your pregame coverage starts around 1 p.m. In fact, just keep listening all day because the game is at four o'clock, right? Noon or so. What do we, what do we do pregame at noon now? One o'clock. I don't even know. We got a lot of stuff because it's a late game. Either way, I'll be on the round table before the game with Steve Tasker, Chris Brown. We got Murph on the call with Steve Tasker, myself, and we'll keep you updated on what's going on. In the meantime, thanks a lot for listening. And once again, no matter how you're finding this, if you're watching on the stream, don't forget, download, subscribe, Sal Sports and stuff on the podcast. Yes, it's this same show, but it's also other stuff that I put up there on the podcast, Sal Sports and stuff. Download, subscribe, listen to that. And don't forget to come here again next Thursday night. We do it every single week, 730 right here on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, Sal Sports on Facebook, Coach Sal C on YouTube. Thanks a lot for joining me. Have a great week. It'll be great to get out to Arizona to watch the Bills, not physically, of course, but then get to the bye week and maybe, just maybe, the Bills will be eight and two. Thanks a lot for joining me tonight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.